Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Startup Sales. Today, we have a really great guest, uh, Sujin, Sujin Patel, and he is the co-founder of Mailshake and also Ramp Ventures. And Ramp Ventures has uh, nine different companies under its belt. So he really has a lot of experience and is going to talk to us about moving upstream uh, from, from a low-touch sales funnel to a more higher-touch sales funnel for mid-market. It's going to be a terrific episode, a lot of uh, a lot of good information. So let's get to it. Startup Sales is a podcast about what it's really like to get a business off the ground. We talk with founders, CEOs, and sales VPs from the high-tech market. You'll learn how to build and scale a sales team. You'll also hear about the growth challenges and tough decisions from others who have had both successes and failures. And now, your host of the Startup Sales Podcast, Adam Springer. Hey, Sujin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I love that. I love that interview. I'm so pumped right now. Although I'm going <laughs> to stay, stay seated here, but that was, that was awesome. <laughs> thanks. It's the music. It's uh, really like uh, gets you going. Yeah. I want to go do stuff now. I want to go like just, just knock out a bunch of growth channels or go, go sell some stuff right now. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Can you uh, introduce yourself a little bit to, uh, to everybody listening? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Sujan Patel. I've been doing kind of digital marketing and in the startup space for uh, probably 15 years now. I've failed and at launching lots and lots of companies, uh, succeeded at a handful, and I'm in the process of a handful more. Um, so what explaining what I do is really complicated. I, I, I still haven't nailed the elevator pitch. I, I, I A-B test it all the time. So I've got what I do every day is Ramp Ventures. Ramp Ventures owns and operates uh, nine SaaS companies, um, and Mailshake, Voila, Norbert, Red Inbox, um, Q. We got a handful more narrow. We just got a bunch uh, in the sales and marketing Martech space. Um, Mailshake is kind of the one I focus on the most. Um, biggest team, biggest kind of size company or most recognizable brand. Uh, but my business, essentially Ramp Ventures, is in, the, is in the business of buying and operating SaaS companies. So we buy them at somewhere between half a million and a million AR, and then we grow them. Uh, why that range? Because it's hard as hell to get to that point. I'm really, really good at getting it from there to like 10 million, 15 million, 20 million. Like I can do that better than I can do the first part. Um, and so that's kind of what we focus on. Um, also, do you risk it a little bit and whatnot? But anyways, that's what I live and breathe and love uh, doing every day. Wow, that's uh, it's getting my mind running on so many questions. Okay, how do you do this? How do you do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And so, when you when you acquire these companies, what would you say is like the number one thing that you see that they're doing wrong with sales? Um, well, I think they don't do it or do it. They do a really bad job at it. I think those are the two, two big things, right? Uh, I, I to me, it's the same. It's like, you, if you're going to do a bad job at it, you might as well not do it. Um, and, and what I mean by this is that like, there's, it's almost like the founders or the people I, I, I run into are scared or like or allergic to like sales. It's like they, even when they do it, it's like, yeah, but I don't want to really talk to you. Is there anything I could do before I talk to you? Right. Like, and it's like, if you're going to treat sales as like, I don't really want to talk to you, you're not going to get the results. Right. Like sales is opposite. It should be like, 
I want to talk to you. Are you free right now? Actually, in two minutes, like you know, we at Mailshake, our sales team, we have three sales reps. They, if they can, if they see an opening in their schedule, they'll reach out to leads that they have demos they have tomorrow and just try to pull them forward, right? Like, like it's not only they want to talk to you, they want to talk to you right now or faster, right? So, um, yeah, the biggest mistake is really not focusing on sales, um, and what I and then or making it difficult to kind of have that conversation. And so, if you're a founder that you just don't sales and talking to people is not your thing, that's okay. Just go hire somebody to help you. Um, and and th there's nothing wrong with that. And you can never do it too early because if you fail at selling, that person pretty much is getting you product feedback. Yeah. Uh, I, I really agree. But you really think just hire somebody or do you think to to do the sales at least a little bit yourself so you have an idea and you have a, a, your finger on the pulse? I... I'd prefer to go and say, like, do the sales yourself. Um, but if you're a technical co-founder, if you're a technical founder, don't do that. If you're a technical founder, go hire somebody. If you're a non-technical co-founder, I mean, non-technical founder, I think you have a better chance of getting to something. And the reason I say that is like, if coding is your thing, generally speaking, you're not going to be like, your, your, your brain is just wired a little differently than what, what it takes to be a really good salesperson. And there are obviously exceptions to that, right? Um, a lot of great technical sales folks, but generally speaking as a founder, do you want to add learning how to sell as another part of what you do if you just never did that before? Interesting. Okay. I like what you said about having the, the your salespeople are actually reaching out to tomorrow's uh, tomorrow's demos and trying to get it earlier. Have you seen a good positive uh, impact from that? Yeah, so it, it actually doesn't pull the demos earlier. It actually just confirms that they're going to make the demo the next day. So it reduces mm -hmm. the no-show rate a little bit. Um, exactly percentage, I don't know, um, but it reduces the no-show rate because that that's a big part of the you know the, the sales funnel. Is like no matter how many leads or demos or whatever you calls you book, you're going to have some people who just don't show up and. That number can go from anywhere between 20% to like 70%. That's horrible if it's 70%, but um, I think 20 to 30 is probably about normal for a software company or, or, or a startup. Interesting. All right. So how did that mail shake your, your, your first, this was your first baby that you still have around? Yeah. 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 So we, we, we started that company. Yeah. It was me in the beginning. I did the, I did the sales. Um, so what I did was pretty much made it. Well, first of all, we didn't have a backend. We didn't have a system built to actually onboard people. We just said, instead of building all this stuff, let me just go talk to people and see what we should build. Right. Like, so there's, there was no self-service sign up because we didn't build it yet. Right. It was just like, but we made it look like there was it's like, Hey, before you finish, jump on a call. Let's just, you know, we'll hash out the details. Um, and um, that helped us really figure out what people wanted to do, where they were at. Like it really helped us figure out the customer persona, like the buyer persona. And it also figured out, uh, helped us iron out like the, um, the pain points people have. And so, um, and, and so it, it really fixed the onboarding for us before it happened, before, the, we, before it got broke, before it like messed up, we just, 
launch with a co correct onboarding. Um, and we launch with um, we having talked to maybe 30, 40 potential customers, help me understand if our offering was compelling enough or like, you know, how you have on a pricing page, you have like a list of features. Um, <laughs> yeah. Think about that as like, for me, I just talked to them and understood what things that matter to them the most. And so that list of features was like three things, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I just helped us really understand the thing. And the other part it helped us do is understand a co competition. Uh, like, so why are you moving? Why are you looking for a new software? Why are you, why are you like, what, what caused you to get on the Mailshake? And people would just word vomit all the things they hate about XYZ competitor. And it was awesome. Cause like, that combined with a lot of me doing competitor research by looking at G2 Crowd and Captera reviews um, helped us define kind of our unique selling point, which is um, ease of use. And you'd think like ease of use is such a small, like like really small thing, but it's, you know, I would agree with you had I not done this research, but it's a big <laughs> thing. Like the only thing that's different between Mailshake and 72 of our competitors, 72 comparable, like pretty decent offerings is more, but decent offerings is our ease of use. Like that is the core differentiator. Um, and so it, it, it did make a difference. I love that you actually asked that question of your prospects and your clients. You know, what do you love more about us? What do you, what do you not like about the competition? Because so many, so many founders or some even salespeople are afraid to ask these kind of questions. Mm -hmm. And this is where you are able to build a process and a, and a product that thrives. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to be honest with yourself and um, think about this way. Like whether you ask the question or don't ask the question, the thoughts still exist in that person's mind, right? Like, so if I don't ask you why, what brought you to Mailshake or what made you sign up or what you're trying to get out of the of using Mailshake, you still have that idea in your mind. Like you still know what you want to do. You just haven't told me. So I can't help you. So I, you know, it's knowledge is power here. Right. And even if it's the, even if you are like, someone's like, I wish, do you have, I need to do this. I need to connect you with my CRM and we're like, we don't have an integration. Even if the answer is no, now you now you can close the door saying, look, we don't have that. And you go back to the dev team and say, look, I've talked to three people today and they all want this, right? And so, yeah. uh, again, when you lose a deal, it's product feedback. When you gain a deal, it's uh, it's revenue and product and, and, and feedback, right? Especially in the early days because it's just so easy to kind of get caught up into like, I'm going to go build all these things. But then the customer might be like, I really want this, you know, and, and, and hopefully that matches up, but that would, I would call that product market fit, but it doesn't. And it never does early on. Right. Like it, it there's always a moving slide and then eventually it's like, Oh, locked it up. It matches. Now let's go. We can scale. I think that's a, that's a good strong argument as well for the founder should be doing the sales at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, I, if at all possible, do it, do the sales. If you can pull it off. Right. Like, I mean, my, my co-founders, the, the technical guy in the, in the business, if I had him having calls, it would not have gone well. Like, yeah. you know, so, uh, also just kind of know your strengths and, and, and your, your weaknesses. Um, you know, if you hire a salesperson, you'd probably want like an SDR, you know, let's just call them like 40, 50 grand a year, or maybe 60. Um, if you're around for a year that that's, 
may be expensive. Hopefully they've worked out and they've generated revenue, but like, let's put it for three months. So, you know, 50 grand for, for three months is like, let's just say $15,000, right? So for $15,000, you validate your product and hopefully generate some revenue. So it seems like a big number, but $15,000 or continuing to do something that doesn't work time value, like $15,000 isn't that much. Right. Um, Especially when you take into account uh, lost opportunity, uh, if you were to do the work yourself versus having somebody do do some of the work for you. Yeah, exactly. And so then you in parallel can do something else, right? Like, so yeah. um, as soon as I did a bunch of calls, I realized I don't want to do sales. Um, uh, like I shouldn't be doing it. Um, and so we really pretty much hired somebody. Uh, well, we that's when we decided to make it self-service. So we still did, we were really focused on marketing at Mailshake. Uh, build, you know, self-service model with like marketing led, um, building the funnels. I mean, building leads. Um, and then eventually about two years ago, we added sales back in. Interesting. So All we right. realized so, we didn't need to do sales, but anyways, let's go. So, forward. so how did that happen? So at the beginning you were like very like low touch, no touch. Uh, I mean, not very, very beginning, but once you actually got the ball rolling, you did a yeah. uh, low touch. Yeah. So po- let's call it post product market fit, right? Like we figured stuff out that took us, unfortunately, <laughs> like two years. Uh, Cause we pivoted from like a marketing, we were targeting marketing people and turns out the people who really love the product were salespeople. So, you know, um, silly us, but anyways, moving on to, so we went from low touch for like two years to low to no touch um, to um, having a sales team. And, and, and even that was like, we did a low, t- like low touch to kind of a little bit. And then we did more and more and more. And now we're like, yeah, we want to talk to you. We want to talk to you for sure. Um, but only if you're a salesperson. So Mark Mailshake still has a lot of marketing and, and PR and, and, and HR folks using us because we're an email and outreach tool. So you can do whatever you need. Like we're not designed specifically for marketing or sales. Why we say sales is because those guys generate or gals generate revenue using our business, meaning they make money using our software. Uh, marketing or they're more successful, they're building links and whatnot, but um, we can't do everything for everybody, right? So we decide sales is our highest value customer and sales teams. And so when we thought through the ICP, the ideal customer persona, we identified they are salespeople. That's when we knew, okay, well, if we want to onboard a sales team to use us, they got to connect their CRM. They got to go, you know, get their colleagues or team members, get like familiar with the software. So there's like too many steps to if they did it themselves and people still do it themselves. We only connect with like maybe 30 or actually 40% of our, our new business comes from, um, uh, has a sales touch. Um, but, but my point is, um, we were able to just kind of, when we looked, when we did the math on who's our, who's our customer, who's our best customer, and then what it takes to onboard that best customer, if they were to do it themselves, we're like, oh yeah, no brainer, duh, you need sales. Cause it's not just like two minutes and you're done. Right. Like, yeah. and then if it was two minutes and you get, get stuck connecting your CRM, then you're just going to churn. Right. And it just took us two years to figure that part out. <laughs> yeah. It just it <laughs> took us two years to say, well, oh yeah, well shit, we should be doing sales. And, um, yeah. Okay. So when you, when you brought in the sales team, uh, you obviously have to increase the the dollar value of, of each client. 
And so how did you how did you go up market? How did you increase your pricing and your offering to a new tier of companies? So uh, we actually didn't. The salesperson did. So mm. it's a common, I think, common fallacy that uh, or belief that in order to sell, you need to increase your price um, and, and do it beforehand. Actually, the salesperson is will figure out if you get the right person, right? You teach them how to, you know, how to sell your product and, and A big demo your product. <laughs> right. I mean, well, I think that's what, okay. If you hire well, right. Which, okay. You may, you might not, maybe not the first go or the second go, but you'll figure it out eventually. It's not like sales is not like a mystical creature that's never been done before. Plenty of people do this, right? Go hire somebody who's sold in your industry, go hire somebody who, has sold software for selling, if you're working, you know, if you're selling software, if that's your business. Um, but anyways, my point is it was our salesperson who told us or proved to us that they're able to sell higher deal value because the revenue that they're bringing in the ARPU, the LTV, the contract value was all double, triple, quadruple what our self-service was. Um, and so, it's still like that to this day, we've actually um, continued to increase our prices year over year since we launched. So we launched with a very low price, like making price a very minimal friction point to the process. Uh, we launched like two years late, three years late in the market. So like that was our advantage, part of our marketing strategy to eat the cost and pretty much not make money in our first two years of business of customers, like we would lose money if you do the math of like what it takes to support them um, um, to get market share, right? That was our, our strategy. But anyways, along the way, when we added the salesperson, I think we had like 19 or $29 a month per user. Um, now we're 59 and $99 a month. So like way more expensive. But even then, like our self-service cohort versus a sales assisted is double to triple the, the revenue uh, or MRR or ACV. Interesting. How, how many touch points does the salesperson have uh, on average? In our funnel, so we're still like SMB mid market at the biggest end. Um, we're still selling within 15 days. Um, so with what under one month is our, our, our is our kind of number. Um, that's not us wanting to be that that's actual data of like maybe five or 6,000 customers who came through the door. Um, and, um, uh, we, with a salesperson, it's usually one touch. Um, if it's mid market, it's maybe two touches. Um, so like, um, when it's mid market, it's automatically 30, to, I mean, 15 to five, probably 45 day. Um, but yeah, so we, all this stuff like sounds really complicated to build, but like when you, go and do sales. You talk to a hundred people, you look at how long it took them to convert, right? Like you just, we use pipe drive for our CRM. So you can just, it'll tell you that number like, Oh, like your average deal is closed in blah, blah, blah. Right. So you still have to close that deal or one or loss. And then like in Google analytics, we can see the same thing as like average time to, pur to purchase is under 15 days. And like more than half of people just purchase on day one um, yeah. on our self-service model. And then that tells us, where we're at, right? Um, it, it's a leading indicator, but it doesn't tell us where the money's at. We know the money's at in the mid-market enterprise, um, but it tells us where we're at. Yeah, and it also shows that the, the messaging is right. 
Exactly. Which is uh, a thing that most a lot of companies also fail at is is getting the right messaging. Right, right. I think the you know uh, messaging per channel very important to note. So you've got you know whatever you do as a founder, you're gonna you're gonna get people coming to your door, right? So hopefully, if you can get that part right, so you're maybe you got SEO traffic, you got paid. Um, you got referrals, you got affiliate, whatever your channels are, maybe your outbound sales, you have to make sure your messaging is right for that channel, right? So your messaging for paid might be different than organic. Your messaging for word of mouth, like messaging might not even matter because somebody already has so much context before they even come to your website that you can just say, blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't matter. Like <laughs> our messaging right now on a website is all sales focus yet like half the customers that sign up every day, every month are marketing people. Why? It's because marketing, um, our biggest channel for growth is word of mouth. And the word of mouth actually comes from product. And in our, in our like, like it's our product doing the marketing for us. That's the referral program. And I mean, sorry, not referral, but like it's the viral virality component uh, of the business. It doesn't even matter what we say on the website. We don't, even if we don't address that it's for salespeople only, that's what we say on the website. It's like for salespeople, marketers, people, marketing people sign up. Again, that's the power of the channel. And so sometimes the messaging doesn't matter. Very rare that that happens, by the way. The eight other companies I run don't operate this way. So don't think it's going <laughs> to always happen, right? So uh, it's, it's sometimes luck, but it's foolish to ignore the fact that the messaging needs to be adjusted by channel. It's really interesting because uh, messaging, sometimes sales and, and sometimes a lot of times sales and marketing don't get along and because they want, they want one thing they want to marketing wants one thing and wants to target one, one way sales wants to go after another because they're actually speaking to the clients and there's always a misalignment. What, what do you say to that? Yeah. So this is kind of the old, the old old way of thinking right where like sales and marketing are two different things um and 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 there's usually like a blame game of like oh i, I brought the leads you just didn't close them right and we're like i i brought these I, I mean i closed all these leads but you're i'm not getting enough of them right like there's always this like i can close and you're not getting me the right leads or enough of them and the other guy's like i I got you leads and just didn't close. You did, you did a bad job selling. The reality is it's both people's fault. Um, you have one funnel, right? And, and you've, you've got marketing can be responsible for top of the funnel and then sales is going to be the ones usually closing them. You have to get feedback from the sales team to make sure you're doing the right marketing and you have to give feedback. If you're a salesperson on what, is the right customer and what who you know like hey i'm getting leads but like a third of them like say they want this one thing and we don't even do that and it's a short call like so first and foremost you need to have a feedback loop right Um, and the best way like so if you have this scenario hopefully if you're early stage founder you don't create this scenario just solve it the right way you have this feedback loop and i do that by having a weekly meeting with my sales and marketing leader right in the beginning is just one person each right as the team grows the team might grow but it might still be two people right and we just talk about what are the best leads why are people buying why are people not buying um and and you know kind of from there 
like what can we do better and from there it's like a self-fulfilling like it's every monday at 11 o'clock and like i just show up and now there's already like five things that each one of them have to talk about right um so if you're in the scenario where like you have sales and marketing not working well together go take the leaders uh for drinks go to a bar and just (laughs) hash out over drinks like hey guys or gals or whoever hey team um let's just have a conversation like what the best leads are um let's just have a conversation of like um what you're doing on marketing where the leads are coming from and i guarantee you after a drink or two kind of guards go down that's the first thing the fingers stop pointing and you realize that one human being is spending their lives bringing leads and another human being is getting those leads and they're just not the greatest or some feedback or there's some like this is not working and when when one of the two figure out what part's broken it nobody wants to waste their time every day right like nobody's going to intentionally say like i'm going to get leads but they're going to be bad leads right you just don't <laughs> know right so um once that guards down you usually fix it and then start the weekly meetings right or maybe you have to have two or three happy hours to get it solved out so do that uh be prepared maybe uh depending on how severe the problem is maybe for for people to be late the next day <laughs> that's good you, or you'll, if you don't drink buy them lunch right like go buy them lunch buy them dinner whatever right you don't have to drink to solve this problem you just have to get their guards down to take them out of the work environment and the like you said the blame game yeah and i really like that because everybody's on the same page we're all we're all here to make money we're all here to grow the company uh so you just have to get that message across somehow and make yeah. it safe to talk yeah i mean a really easy a quick example for you is that another company voila norbert.com we it's a an email finding kind of like for sales hr folks and we we get twenty five thousand leads a month and we started sales really late um really really late if you're a salesperson and you get twenty five thousand leads you're like what do I do? I can't, that's too many, I can't, too big of a number, right? Too too big of a, too many leads. Never ever heard a salesperson say that except for that that time when we started sales at Norbert, and um, and, and so obviously it's not twenty five thousand amazing leads that are primed to close. No, it's twenty five thousand top of the funnel free signups. So we got sales and marketing to work together to go create filters of what makes a good lead and that twenty five thousand turn into maybe 800 or a thousand or two thousand i forgot the exact number but it got into a imaginable number right so if you have a lot of leads think about the criteria or filters you can add so we added usage so like okay well when twenty five thousand leads if they use the product at least two times or they do we have it's like a search so you can search per contact so if they do three contact three searches or more then we know they're a good lead and then like the next thing we look at is if they are have a company domain and we enrich the data and we find out like how big are how big they are, how many people they have. So it's like twenty five thousand people who do three searches or more who are at a company of fifty or greater. That's who I want to talk to, you. and that turns into eight hundred or nine hundred people. So eight hundred, nine hundred—that's some like thirty people a, a um a day. I can manage thirty people. I can I can look that up on a spreadsheet without having to scroll down even. Right. So. Um, yeah. It, it, it's kind of when using uh, getting sales and marketing people to work together to kind of create the p- filters to, to pare it down. 
I was at a company one time that um, they would always talk about like old leads and putting them back in the laundry machine, you know, warming them up and, <laughs> and getting them alive again and, and then kicking them back out to sales. Yeah. Um, sometimes it works, right? I think the, what I like, I prefer to never let a lead go dry. So after they're done, whether they're closed or not, even especially if they don't close or they say not now, then you put them on a warm-up campaign. Like you have funnels, right? Systems for each kind of sort. And even the people who say, I don't want to purchase, unless they specifically opt out, put them in your marketing funnel, send them a, send them a helpful article every once in a while, you know, um, and let them raise their hands in the future. And then, and then the people who are engaged, go, go try to close them again. I think that's a really important bit because, you know, they may not be ready to buy now, but they'll be ready to buy in two or three months from now. And you'll want their business then as well. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like, I think it's really easy for a salesperson. And I think this is where marketing can help is marketing can actually control. So salespeople want to close what they have on their plate right now, right? They want to close and they, they're focused so much on what they have. They've got to make calls. They got to talk, you know, do demos. They got to follow up. But so they want to follow up with the best leads possible. So cool. Make sure they do that. But the marketing folks, they can write the drip campaigns for somebody, a salesperson. Um, they can load them up into the right channels. In fact, that's what marketing people are good at. Like they're good at using email tools. They're good at using data. They're using, you know, you know, writing copies. So let the marketing people write the drip campaigns or set them up. So we actually have a system. Again, we use PipeDrive and we use our own tool, Mailshake. Um, and we use Mailshake for, we, we have the same system for a lot of different places and a lot of different companies. But so after a demo is done, um, the salesperson will follow up once. After that, it's an automated drip. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, if you could automate some of that follow-up, it saves you a ton of work and a ton of time. But you're saying that you have your marketing team um, creating, the, creating the content. I've always hated having, like, I've always wanted to create my own sales content, whether at email or whatever it be, and not let marketing yeah. do it. What, yeah. What have so you found with that? Yeah. So you don't, you, you don't necessarily as a marketer have to go do it for them. You want to automate it for them. You want to take the work off their plate. Right. So some people, some sales folks are like, I don't even know what to say. Like, um, and the marketing person, my marketing, like, okay, let me write them copy for you. Or the other way around. It's like, I know exactly what I say. It's just a pain in the butt to follow up all this time. Right. So it, again, really is automating stuff for you um, and taking the hard work off, off the plate. And again, it's a singular focus, right? It, it, whether you're marketing led, product led, whatever organization you are, sales led, like you've got a funnel <laughs> and it's everyone's job at the company to make that funnel work. Right. Um, and so it's just kind of working together more than anything else. Yeah. I, I love automation. It allows me as a salesperson to focus on what I do best because following up on emails is not what I do best. <laughs> Nobody, dude, nobody's, nobody's, I don't, I've never met a single person's like, I'm amazing at follow-up, right? Like that's like, I can do 30 follow-ups. It's no, you've got technology, you know, like that's why people use Mailshake is you can do the follow-up, but the, let the software do all the hard work and remembering for you. Yeah. All right, uh, Sujin, this has really been uh, really helpful and, and learned a lot. 
how could people reach out to you and learn more about you or your companies? Yeah. So best place to find me is sujanpatel.com. Um, you can check out my YouTube channel. Just go and search Sujan Patel. I generally share like a, a content piece a week on something about my journey, SaaS kind of, I'm always wearing new hats and like figuring new, new roles out. So, um, yeah, it's just follow along. If you have any questions, uh, yeah, you can, you can ping me. I'm fairly active on LinkedIn as, on Twitter as well. Excellent. Sujin, it's really been a pleasure. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Thanks for listening to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Contact Adam about speaking engagements or consulting services at adam at startupsales.io.